0: Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. There's a huge difference between having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of those pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. I'm bringing a brand new guest to you today. So I'm just gonna let him have the wheel and introduce himself. So go ahead, Trevor, introduce who you are, what you do, and tell us a fun fact.
1: Awesome. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. It's great to uh, virtually connect and meet with everyone. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, my name's Trevor Olesiak. Uh, I, I I get to play in two different worlds, which is super fun for me. So I've been in ministry for 13 years. Um, I lead our people and culture teams uh, at, at a church in Jacksonville, Florida called Celebration Church. And uh, that's been super fun to do the last, uh, you know, a little over a decade. Um, and I also uh, do executive coaching, at, which with a company called Novus Global, which has been a, a ton of fun for me as well. And so I love, uh, really, I love pouring into and developing people and so this is kind of two different modalities of that that allow me to do that so it's uh it's that's awesome yeah uh,
0: did you know that I well you probably didn't know so I'm gonna tell you <laughs> I'm I'm actually from Fort Myers Florida no way yeah so I know of celebration church
1: very cool yeah mm-hmm. I grew up in Melbourne Florida which is a, a couple hours south of Jacksonville and I think a couple hours north of, of Fort Myers so
0: mm-hmm. yeah but you're not are wait no. You are currently living in Florida. How far away is where you live now from where you grew up?
1: Uh, two and a half to three hours, something like okay. that. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. And why don't you give us a fun fact?
1: A fun fact. Um, I, I'm a um, closet uh photographer. So I, <laughs> I say do you it that take way, pictures like, of
0: your closet. I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> oh, that's,
1: well, that would be weird. No, um, no, I just, I've always enjoyed photography and I, you know, there's been a couple of different points in my life where I tried to make it a career and just re- realized uh, it kind of zapped the fun out of it for me. And so, um, but I I love it. I, I still get hired to do things every once in a while and, and kind of dabble in it. So I guess I have three worlds I get to dabble in. <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, I love, uh, I love taking pictures, uh, and I have three kids, so it's always, I got lots of, uh, uh, fodder there for, uh, for, uh, snapping photos. So mm-hmm. yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, Trevor, what have you been set free from?
1: Yeah. And, and I love, I love this question. I love how we, you know, we were talking a little bit before we, we got up, you know, on the air here, um, I'll, how you think about this as a journey. And, and I, I lean into that too. And really like a record, like there's a times when, the Lord will, you know, uh, heal us in an instant, right. Or will um, break something off of our life. But more often than not, in my experience, um, freedom looks like something that we have to wake up and choose every day. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, love in, um, uh, Galatians, I think it is, it, it talks about how like it's for freedom that Christ set us free, uh, and don't choose, that yoke anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, especially, you know, as it relates to the conversation we're about to have, um, you know, especially when I was younger, uh, I dealt with a lot of fear, particularly around, um, pain and pain is it related to rejection. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I, what I've grown to realize and what I still have to remind myself of constantly and have the Lord remind me of is that, you know, Um, there's a difference between the truth of the events that we find ourselves in and then our own perceptions of those events. And I'm sure we'll get into this more and talk about this more because it's kind of a critical uh, part of the idea of emotional intelligence. But understanding that our perception of events are not necessarily um, a true representation of what's going on. And so that's been something I've had to constantly kind of massage in my life and learn uh, how to, how to, you know, and obviously with, through the Lord's guidance, uh, help me navigate that and recognize that rejection is an, it oftentimes says more about the person that I perceive to be doing the rejection, the rejecting, uh, than it does about me and recognizing that I don't have to put on whatever label or mantle someone might be putting on, you know, trying to put on me. And so, uh, so that's the thing for me It's really, um, I, you know, I go for things now that I never would have gone for in my younger years because I would have been too afraid. And so, uh, that's, um, yeah, it's the, the, I'll I'll finish the thought with this. The question I always ask myself, I like, I wake up every day and ask myself, what does it look like to choose courage today?
0: Mm. That's awesome. And I'm currently in a job where I, it's, The department at the college is called student care services. And so I get to work with students in appointments sometimes um, navigating like lies they've believed or wounds they've had from people in their past. And we just get to sort through like, okay, this is what happened, but this is actually what God says about you. And so I'm on the same page with you that we derive meanings from things that happen to us, but those meanings aren't necessarily true.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only whether they're capital T true or, like, or not, like that's what people are often looking for. Like, can I verify this is true or not? And oftentimes that's, that's not the most resourceful approach. Um, what, you know, One of the things I've tried to lean into recently, especially like with feedback, you know, mm-hmm. is recognizing that um, even if it's only 1% true, what can I learn from what this person is sharing with me? Even if they don't intend it for my good or for my benefit, even if they're just being a jerk, which happens sometimes, right? Uh, how can I leverage that for my own growth, my own development, and not wear it like um, like a name or like a label, but use it as a tool uh, to accomplish what it is I'm going after? And so mm-hmm. even reframing um, some things that people will say to us and learning to leverage them can oftentimes really help us and help us grow.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that ties in with what we're going to talk about today and that you use emotional intelligence so much just as your work as an executive coach and then I'm sure at church as well. So how would you define emotional intelligence and why is it important?
1: Yeah, it's a great, great question. I think um, it's, it's an important question, too, because I'm not sure that there's a single agreed upon definition of emotional intelligence. I've heard a bunch of different ones over my years of, of engaging w- with this topic and using tools. And so I, I think getting clear on what, what it is and what it isn't is super important. Um, so I'd love to start with what it's not. Uh, and by the way, you know, emotional intelligence has several different abbreviations, um, EI, EQ, uh, different things. EQ is my preference, so you'll mm-hmm. you'll you'll hear me throughout this conversation probably use emotional intelligence and EQ interchangeably. So yeah, uh, that's I'm talking about the same thing, just to bring clarity to the to the audience. But yeah. um, here's what EQ is not: it's not about being nice. <laughs> um, it's also not someone who's you know quote unquote emotional. I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, So how I like to define it in in its simplest, broadest form, and then we can go deeper into it if you'd like to, but kind of the root layer that I like to define it as is um, the ability to identify, manage, and direct our emotions. That's simple. So I'm curious, does that bring up any questions for you? Is that what you thought I would say?
0: I don't know. I think so. I think that I also expected you to say something like, um, perceiving others, like something to have to do with our relationships with other people.
1: Yeah, great. And, and that absolutely uh, is a facet of emotional intelligence. You mm-hmm. know, um, often the, the key here, I think, is our emotions are our emotions, right? Yeah. And so, um, even in how we relate to others, we relate to others through our emotional responses, You know, Mm -hmm. we don't always think about it that way. You know, research shows that we have um, around 400 emotional uh, experiences every single day. So I'm curious, how many of those do you recognize or, you know, kind of qualify as an emotional experience?
0: I don't know, maybe (laughs) like 10. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. Yeah, so so many of them, so much, so much of it is happening subconsciously, and we're not even realizing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, one of the things I love to do with my clients in this area is is really, and part of the value of even when you talk about why is it important, um, helping people slow down. And you know, I always say my goal for my clients is to think about how they think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the emotional intelligence gives us a, a framework or a model to be able to do that. You know, um, one one thing I'll say, too, uh, about emotional intelligence, that's really important to distinct, like there's a distinction between people tend to um, lump it in or group it in with strengths or personality frameworks and models. Uh, You know, in most personality research would would suggest that personality remains relatively fixed over time. Like it doesn't really change that much as you grow or age or develop or anything like that. It stays relatively fixed. Um, but emotional intelligence is different. It's a plastic skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it naturally grows over time as we age, and we can also develop it with intentionality. If we put energy and effort and work into developing our skills in this area, we can see it grow. And so that's one of the main differences between like a personality model uh, and, and an EQ model. And so that's one of the reasons I think it's really important because we can actually do something about it. Right. It's not just, yeah. well, this is how, this is who I am. I'm just a jerk to people. Nothing, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I can actually, if I, if I am not good, like to your point, if I'm not good at, with, at interacting with other people or I notice that there's gaps there or I'm, you know, uh, I'm not realizing all of the potential in my relationships that I'm, that I'd like to uh, there's actually something you could do about it, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, that gives me so much hope for the future. (laughs) Absolutely. So do we see any really prime examples of this in the Bible?
1: Oh, that's great. Um, Yeah, I mean, honestly, the idea of emotions in general, I mean, there's countless examples in scripture, like even God himself, especially in his Trinitarian nature, like we see all sorts of different examples of, you know, God, the father, uh, and, and, you know, in, uh, especially in the old Testament, there's a lot of, de- of emotional and des- emotionally descriptive language that's mm-hmm. used, you know, in talking about how, like, I, I think it w- comes to mind. One of the earliest examples is, is Genesis chapter six, you know, where it says that God was actually grieved that he had made men on the earth. Right. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a very emotionally descriptive word. Um, so th- that's one, I mean, there's plenty of examples in the person of Jesus. Uh, you know, one of the ones that's quoted all the time is, is, uh, you know, the, him flipping tables outside the, the, the synagogue, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so it's a display of anger there. Um, and so there's language used around that. Um, there's obviously times when Jesus grieved uh, and, and was emotional in that context. Uh, and even the Holy Spirit uh, has this too. Like the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, that he pours out love. And, and even thinking like several fruits of the Spirit uh, have emotional connections, like joy. I think of joy. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that joy is is purely an emotion, um, but it certainly has emotional qualities. So, you know, emotions are clearly present in scripture. You know, I think one of the things that comes up a lot in in church circles um, is less about whether or not emotions exist, but whether or not we can trust them.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a huge conversation in church.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and so, like, here is my take on this. Um the truth is that like we're imagers of God, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible says, makes that clear. So if God and his, uh, his triune nature has emotions, experiences emotions, then if we're imagers of God, then, then we do too. And if, if God is experiencing emotions, that can't be inherently bad, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, that, that wouldn't make sense. So, you know, there, there's, Certainly scriptures that suggest that the heart is deceitful, right? Like you see that, um, you know, and some, you know, I've seen some church circles and, and Christian circles tend to really run uh, with that and take it, you know, to an extreme and say that emotions are evil can't be trusted at all. Right. Right. And there's the, the pendulum swings, the complete other way too, with a lot of the, um, you know, uh, like hyper charismatic movements and all that where, If emotions aren't like, in other words, they think of emotions as an indicator that I'm actually in like in communion with God or with with, like the spirit is moving if I'm feeling it. Right. Mm -hmm, right. I've seen I've seen, you know, both expressions. Um, You know, and and the truth is, I think for me, uh, there's not a clean distinction like that. Right. Emotions are are amoral in a way. It's great data, it's great information um, you know and then really to, to not to go too you know theologically deep here on this, but I think one of the key mistakes I see Christians make a lot is they try to separate the body from the soul
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and they try to think about them as two distinct distinct attributes of who they are and and they're not integrated in any way. but I mean that's completely incongruous with the ancient Hebrew mindset. That's right? True. Yep. And, and I mean, you may have explored this, this topic on, on, you know, prior podcasts, but you know, the, like the Hebrew word nefesh, it's often translated as soul. And that's what people, you know, will, will think about as as soul, but it, it actually more literally means like the throat, right? And, and, and mm-hmm. the, deep, the deeper Hebrew meaning is that it's, it's, it represents a living, breathing, whole person. It describes our wholeness, even in the distinct parts like, just like God is distinct, you know, father, son, Holy spirit, we image that he, and and even though he's distinct in that he's also a whole being a whole person. Um, And, and, and we're the same way we're interconnected in, in wholeness. And so, uh, and and which uh, by the way is corroborated by modern neuroscience, you know, which continues to disprove that there's, like any discernible distinction between mind and body. So I think that's fascinating. Recogniz- allowing if Christians were able to um, think about themselves from a place of wholeness, uh, I really believe they'd get a better uh, understanding and grasp of how emotions are designed to be uh, really an integral part of our being.
0: Yeah. Also, hopefully
1: I didn't go too deep there on that one. But...
0: No, no. What is too deep really? <laughs> Fair. Um... I just can think of several places in the Psalms where David refers to in some translations it'll say like his heart or mm-hmm. soul and then other places it says his kidneys <laughs> and so that's just another example of that
1: yeah well it's, and that's this the, the psalms lamentations I mean there, there's a, like a lot of those poetic books are very uh, emotionally descriptive you know and they're they're really part of the reason we think of them as beautiful poetry uh, is because of their emotionally descriptive language and how they stir up emotions in us because we can relate to the experiences Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, yeah absolutely
0: yeah that's a good point so if we're just looking inward at ourselves as we are currently how can we assess our own emotional intelligence
1: Well, there's a there's a lot of there's potentially a lot of different ways. Here's my favorite way to get a to get a uh, an understanding of where we are in these different skill sets, and they really they are that they're skill sets. Okay, my favorite way is to really lean into and to utilize a quality, scientifically reliable, and validated assessment. It's I say this a lot. uh, We we say this a lot in in the coaching firm as well Is like you can't do surgery on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Right. And so you I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, mindfulness and different techniques and tools you can use to um, become more emotionally aware. Uh, But but it can be really difficult to action against that or to create a plan for growth if there's not a clear understanding of where those specific gaps are for you in your Mm skill Um, so uh, like real briefly, like, so my, well, let me say this, my favorite uh, assessment, by the way, is the EQI Mm 2.0, um, fantastic assessment. Um, but it's not one of those, you know, you can can go online and, you know, uh, you know, pay 10 bucks and take it right. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it gives you your, uh, Harry Potter house that you're going to be, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these online assessments are, right? So it's, it it really is. It's a, it's a, uh, it's actually a clinical grade tool. So you have to, uh, use it with a trained professional. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what, that's part of where it gets its, its power, I think. Um, but in that model, you know, it, it, it covers kind of five key areas, uh, is self perception, understanding our own emotions and how we view ourselves emotionally, uh, self expression, how do we express ourselves? You know, once we feel something, we're going to start responding and doing something about that feeling. Um, and as we do that, we're going inevit- to inevitably bump up into some other people, which is the, the interpersonal component you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we're, like we need to make decisions on things. And so emotions play a big role in our decision making. Uh, and then finally, stress management. How do we manage and deal with stress uh, and stressful things in our lives, right? And so uh, th- the cool thing about EQI is it looks at those kind of five different domains and different skills that are in each one of those. Um, and it really helps you narrow down. So I'll give you, I'll, can I give you a personal example? Like when I first yeah. took this assessment, Yeah. Um, so I, I I'm a pastor, I've been in ministry 13 years. I first took this assessment maybe... Uh, maybe six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Um, and uh, empathy was by far the lowest skill set for me, which is part of the interpersonal domain.
0: That's surprising since you're a pastor. <laughs>
1: it's it's, it, it's incredibly difficult to be a good pastor if you don't have if you don't care about other people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Which is funny because uh, empathy is a lot deeper than that, right? It's not just about it's not just about caring for others, although that's a Certainly, a component of it. Um, really, the, what, what I came to realize, and so here's why I bring, up, bring this up I never would have realized this if it wasn't for a, a robust tool like this. Mm-hmm. So, empathy is not only like recognizing and understanding and appreciating how other people feel, you know, that's an important part of it, but it's also the ability to articulate that understanding to someone else. In other words, mm-hmm. if they're not picking up what I'm putting down, it's not real empathy. Mm-hmm. And that was the gap for me. And actually, this ties back to kind of what we originally talked about in the first question of a fear of rejection. I realized that I actually wasn't displaying empathy towards others because I was afraid that they would reject my care. They, mm-hmm. they would reject my, uh, my, my attempt to understand and to reach out and to appreciate. And so there's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole other rapid trail. But um, it, it really took a robust tool and, and a coach. Um, and whenever you use a tool like this, it requires uh, coaching. Uh, it took a coach to help me see that part of the gap for me. And I'll tell you, it revolutionized my the way I pastored people by gaining that insight and then putting, putting a plan of action into in developing that skill set.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so cool.
1: But here, here's what I'll say. Like, just to kind of double down on this idea, whatever route you go in terms of developing in your emotional intelligence, you know, use a tool, don't use a tool, mindfulness. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you could. My my biggest advice to anyone who wants to grow is just don't go it alone. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you do it in a group, whether you hire a coach, whether you have conversations with your spouse or with a friend, um, it, like... It is a like we are communal uh, beings. We're designed for relationship and we grow best in community. And so that's that would be my encouragement.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good because how can we see our own blind spots, right?
1: Yeah, again, we can't do surgery on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: That would be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) If we've had a hard time identifying how we feel or why we feel the way we feel, what are some steps we can take to improve this. And it just gives me so much hope that this is something we grow in over time instead of just we're stuck at this one level we're at.
1: Absolutely. Um, really what you're describing is, is the skill of emotional self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Emotional self, like the ability to recognize w- what emotions are, you know, putting words and names to them. Um, in other words, you have a, an emotional vocabulary that you can lean on. Um, and then the why part is, is a little bit different. Um, but first of all, like, we can't even begin to explore why we're feeling something until we can recognize, well, what is it that we're actually feeling? Mm-hmm. And so leaning into emotional self-awareness, I think, is a great um, sk- skill to develop. And, you know, it's one of the kind of the facets on um, like the EQI assessment. Um but but one simple thing that that I'll suggest to clients to do is like, hey, like I'm feeling a lot of things, but I don't know what I'm feeling or I don't know how to describe what I'm feeling. This is going to sound really, really simple, but it's helped a ton of people I've worked with. Just Google emotion words
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and look at a list of emotional language.
0: Yeah. Or like um, a feelings wheel.
1: Yeah. There you go. Feelings wheel. Absolutely. Um, and that really... Uh, Helps a lot of times. Our it makes our brains can converge onto things when we're looking at a list more easily than when it's fully open ended. So by creating a list, it helps our brain kind of zero in on. Oh yeah, I'm feeling pretty melancholic. That's what it is, right? Or something you know. Especially, like I like to describe emotional self awareness this way. Uh, If you think of a like a box of crayons, right? Crayola crayons, whatever. Um, some people are like the eight crayon box Mm -hmm. you know they can identify a couple of base emotions you know mad sad glad bad whatever whatever else rhymes with that right Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um and that those are the emotions that they could like they can describe and they that they but every human is vastly more complicated than that and so we tend to direct our feelings and put them in one of these giant buckets um and really that that cheapens the emotional experience as a human being. Um, So like what I'll invite clients to do is like, we need to get more crayons in that box for you, right? So let's let's trade in that eight crayon box for the 128 crayon box, right? The giant massive one that my kids love to leave all over the house and melt into the carpet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's learn uh, how to actually put language around what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. because it, that's really helps us uh, in terms of what we talked about, you know, kind of going back to the original definition of emotional intelligence is, is a part of it is identifying, right? And so that, that helps us identify, um, you know, an, another simple thing you can do to really pay attention, um, are, like are recognizing the shifts in your physical body. Mm hmm. Right. So different emotions produce different physiological responses. Like if you're really upset, your heart might be racing. You know, you're you're you may, you may be clenching your fists without realizing it. Maybe you're yeah. sweating, sweating a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, like that, so that. That's a great indicator that, um, you know, it can help you. It, it's 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 like a thread I like to pull on to help me get to the root of what it is I'm actually feeling. If I'm paying attention to what my body is experiencing, because the truth is, is, again, our minds are connected with our bodies. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're they're inseparable. And so um, physiological responses to emotions, uh, you know, everybody maybe expresses them slightly differently, but there's a lot of similarities um, that can be great indicators for us on what's going on. So those are some ways to identify um, and and understand, okay, what is it that I'm feeling, Mm -hmm. right? Now, why I'm feeling it is a more difficult question hmm. And this is where, you know, what I alluded to before of the idea of events versus perception. Um, th- if you hear nothing else in this episode, this may be the most important thing to recognize.
0: OK, everyone, listen in. Listen in. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll try not to not to uh, screw it up here. <laughs> but um, so, again, events are the facts of what's happening. It's what we can observe with our senses, what we can see. Um, but our brains are going to then tell ourselves, we're going to tell ourselves a story. We're going to assign meaning to those facts and nine times out of 10, that's unverified. Mm. Right. So uh, let me give you an example. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, there's some people who are listening in their car right now. Maybe you just got cut off on your way to work or wherever it is you're going. Right. And, um, you know, I'm sure everyone listening to this call responded in a way of, you know, uh, care. I'm going to kind of, you know, give them some space, maybe say a <laughs> prayer that they are getting where they're supposed to go, whatever, right? Just, you know, r- really being um, understanding of what's going on. Yes, you know, we hope. There,
0: hope. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe uh, there's some other people in the world and, I certainly would not identify with this group at all. Um, but there's other people in the world who, man, when they get cut off in traffic, they get a little, they get a little upset. Right? <laughs> they may uh, get a little close to the person's bumper. They may tell them they're number one, You mm-hmm. know, ha- use some colorful language, perhaps with emotional undertones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so notice the exact same thing happened to both people but their response was completely different. Why is that? Because the stories they told themselves about what the meaning they assigned to the events was vastly different. Hmm. The angry driver said, this person's a jerk. They don't care about anyone else. They're, they're making the roads unsafe. Right. Right. Um, The other person maybe was thinking, man, maybe they just got some bad news. Maybe they're on their way to the hospital right now. Maybe something's going on that I don't know about.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yep.
1: And so the point is not which one is right and which one is wrong. The point is which one is a more resourceful story to tell ourselves. Right. Right. And, and so recognizing that the, that the perceptions that we have are actually what drive our emotional responses. It's not the events You know, when someone walks, when you walk into a party and someone doesn't say hi to you, you you can tell yourself all sorts of stories about what's going on there. One will produce maybe a a response of, "Hey, I need to go make sure I circle back with that person and check in on them and see how they're doing, see if something's going on." One maybe says, "Gosh, I can't believe they just you know treated me that way." And so this is where we start to get into the directing our emotions component. Of emotional intelligence because the truth is is that our emotions don't derive from the circumstances and events in our lives mm-hmm. our emotions derive from the stories we tell ourselves about the events and the circumstances of our lives
0: wow i feel like that's going to just set a lot of listeners free from a lot of bitterness actually because if we continue to tell ourselves stories like this person's out to get me they don't like me why did they act like that it must have been my fault like of course we're going to feel bitter or frustrated sad whatever it may be but if we direct our emotions towards different meanings that could actually be the whole problem you don't know
1: absolutely yeah and 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 again the, the goal is not to necessarily determine w- which one is right, which one is wrong, mm-hmm. right? We're not moralizing it necessarily. It's, you know, w- when, well, like when I have clients who are really stressed out and they want to imp- like reduce the stress in their lives, they're almost always convinced that it ha- like the circumstances have to change in order for stress to go down. Right, so like, okay, if I'm if I'm at a certain level of stress, there's logically there's two ways to reduce. I can I can you know fix the circumstances and reduce my stress levels, or I can increase my capacity to uh, to handle stress.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But what I always help people think about, like, what if there's a third option? (laughs) What if the stress that we're experiencing is actually something we are creating?
0: Yeah, in the way that we're thinking about the stressors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. here's the thing: thoughts are thoughts. Like, like if, if I get cut off in traffic, my initial thought's going to be, "What a jerk!" <laughs> <laughs> right? But I have a choice on whether I believe that thought or not. Mm-hmm. You see, that's that's what I think Scripture is talking about when when they say to take every thought captive. We can't actually control our thoughts; they just happen. What we can control is what do we choose to believe.
0: Right. Do yeah, I think I think there's a little phrase that's like, I can't control what birds fly over my head, but I can control the birds that build a nest in my hair.
1: I love that. I don't Have think I've heard ever. Heard, I don't think I've ever heard that before. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah, well,
0: you can take and use it as much as you want. <laughs> I'm
1: stealing it, and I'm not giving you credit either. I'm just. That's
0: kidding. fine. I didn't make it up.
1: <laughs> what? What? A, yeah, that's it's 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 true. It's true. Like we, we decide what our what, you know, because uh, that's how the enemy works, right? The enemy can only he can speak to our minds. He can, he can put, he can uh, whisper thoughts into our ears where we get, but he has no power to force us to believe it. Mm-hmm. So we actually put ourselves in bondage more often than anyone, anything or anyone else puts us in bondage because of what we choose to believe.
0: That's so good. Wow. That's so good.
1: But hey, but here's the thing. Like, it's way, it's easy to say that. It's difficult in the moment Mm -hmm. to recognize that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so creating space in your life, again, to think about how you think, to slow things down, right? I use this example, you know, in like keynotes and stuff is, you know, like uh, when you've been living in a house for a while, like like for a couple of years or whatever, you wake up in the middle of the night get a glass of water you don't have to think about where the light switch is or where the cup cabinet is or like it's kind of autopilot like you're like if you ever wake up in the middle of the night you're probably half asleep and you just get to where you're going and don't even realize and remember how to do it right it's muscle memory right Yep. when something new like, like if, if we you know if we go stay at a friend's house or let's say we sell our house and buy a new house that, those first couple of weeks in that new house um we're stubbing our toe all over the place Like we're we're slapping the wall trying to find the light switch Mm because it's not, it's not part of our memory yet. Like, in other words, we're, we're forced to slow down because the environment is unfamiliar. And so the truth is like the more familiar our thinking becomes, the faster it happens and the less we pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to actually improve in our area of thinking, uh, we have to intentionally slow things down and and you know our brains want to uh decrease the time between a trigger and the way we respond
0: mm-hmm. and that's how we
1: that 's how we see you know um even strongholds you know to 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 go to the extreme, but just patterns in our life right and so if anytime we want to address an unhealthy pattern or we want to change something, uh we have to intentionally slow down that time between trigger and response to have time to analyze what's actually going on and potentially select a more resourceful uh, belief.
0: That's worth all the time of this podcast (laughs) right there. (laughs) Wow, that's so good. So how could we spot an emotionally intelligent person? How can we spot emotional intelligence in other people like, wow, they're doing this really well?
1: Uh, this is a, that's a fascinating question and, and I'm going to give you a bit of a cop out answer at first.
0: Okay. That's fine.
1: <laughs> the best way to notice emotional intelligence in others is to develop emotional maturity in ourselves.
0: I knew it. I knew you are going <laughs> to say You knew it going to go
1: there. Right. And so, so it, like it's a, gr- it's a good question and there's answers to it. I don't know if it's a resourceful question Uh because what 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 people end up doing is uh they like to look externally <laughs> whenever there's a whenever there's a, especially in in the domain of like interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. right like we all do this uh, if things are going wrong, it's their fault if they're going right it's because I'm great mm. <laughs> right and so what I think what this process invites people to do is start with ourselves and say hey where like where do I need to?" grow where are the opportunities for me to level up? Uh, and I think the more we do that, um, the more we'll see uh, those things in others. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful but you know uh, uh, probably a, an answer you were more looking for for the question. Uh, you know one of the dimensions of emotional intelligence as part of the model is um, really that interpersonal domain we talked about. Um, But there's, there's kind of three specific skills in there, but two of them are really important is, and it's interpersonal relationships and empathy. And so interpersonal relationships, like that is the, uh, that's the, you know, plug, if you like plugging the cord into the outlet and the electricity starts flowing, right? Like that's the conduit uh, of emotions for, from one person to another, and so recognizing how, but here's the thing that people miss, and, and it's going to tie back to my first answer, is most people will think, will look in a in a relationship, and when when there's gaps, you know it's easy to spot, you know maybe where something we prefer someone to do or a different mm-hmm. way we like them to behave, um, but the question I invite people to ask themselves in the area of interpersonal relationships are um do I understand the way that my emotional responses impact this other person and mm. for the for for better or worse for good or bad mm-hmm. right um that's not always a negative thing, but just being aware of the fact that my emotions absolutely play a role in my relationships, right you know. Right. Um, and then, obviously, empathy we talked about already of, you know, really being able to recognize uh, and, and put ourselves in, in someone else's shoes and perspective um, and expand um, and, and a lot of times challenge the stories we tell ourselves. So, really, look, I, I think a lot of what we've already talked about, you know, those are some of the things that really play into this. Um, but, you know, my, my encouragement is always, hey, start start, start looking. The first question should always be, in what ways am I contributing to whatever challenge I'm experiencing with someone. Mm
0: -hmm. That's good. It kind of just reflects it back on ourselves because we can't control other people anyway.
1: Yeah, you can't manage other people. I was just having a conversation with a client about this. Like they were concerned about um, the holidays and how to manage the holidays and all the different things they have going on and different family dynamics. And they want to keep everyone happy and all that. And, and, you know, I, I reminded them Hey, you actually can't control their emotions Mm -hmm. Nor should you want to. (laughs) There are people who want to, uh, but you can't, you can't control their emotions. The only thing you can do uh, is to build bridges, be clear, you know, clarity helps to uh, clarity always helps to uh, build bridges in a relationship. If you're clear Mm -hmm. in the way that you communicate, you make clear requests of people, um, you know, that's. That's really important. I heard this the other day, and it's really, uh, it's honestly really challenged me. Uh, is that healthy people ask for what they want?
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> I don't always ask for what I want. And and again, they may not reciprocate. No problem. But the having a solid sense of self and being willing to say, "Hey, here's here's my request of you," or "Here's actually how I would like for this uh, relationship, this this thing to go." um that is uh, a super helpful skill set to have in in developing thriving relationships
0: yeah we just can't expect other people to be mind readers
1: yeah Uh, yeah absolutely
0: so if someone... i wish i wish i could trust
1: me <laughs> I've, been, I've been married, I've been married know, we uh, wish. we really uh, you know, wish yeah i've been married almost 14 years and i wish i could read my my wife's mind uh but uh You know that, and that's something, like especially in a marriage relationship or dating relationship, anything like that. Like learning to have that, um, that dialogue uh, of, and and I love using like even so. What I didn't come up with this idea, um, but there's this this kind of um, understanding of of requests, right, or expectations is probably a better way to say it. Like expectations uh, versus agreements right? So often where we get in trouble in our interpersonal dynamics is we have expectations of others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like to your point, we <laughs> can't read each other's minds. A lot of those, t- uh, you know, nine times out of 10, those expectations are unsaid. We just have them. Um, and so one of, one of the things that's really helped me develop in that area is I don't have any expectations of anyone. I seek to create agreements and part, like the first step of creating an agreement is actually sharing hey here's what I would like to see now, what would you like to see and let's mm. let's 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 create agreement with each other
0: yeah, that's so good. so if someone would want to dive deeper into this topic, do you have any resources that you'd recommend
1: um yeah, uh three books come to mind um and there's a ton of, I mean, there's YouTube stuff. There's all sorts of resources, but like three books that I've used quite a bit, um, one, one secular resource and two that are actually from a, from a like, Christian biblical perspective, uh, which is really helpful. Um, but one is called The EQ Edge uh, by Stephen Stein and Howard Book. Um, they, uh, so they, they are actually part of the, the, the team that developed the EQI 2.0. So it's sort of a companion resource to the assessment. Um, but it dives deep into all of the different facets of emotional intelligence and how you can develop them. Um, there's a couple of different uh, you know, tools and resources and um, things you can use uh, to, to learn to identify emotions and develop them and all that. So that's a great book, The EQ Edge. Um, then two others I like. Uh, one is called Developing Emotionally Mature Leaders, uh, written by uh, Aubrey malfors um, fantastic. It's more about developing emotional intelligence uh, in your teams. Like So if you're leading a team, uh, this is a great resource. Um, and he, he talks a lot about from a specific ministry context or a church context. So uh, if you're in ministry or um, even if you're just uh, in a community of, of faith or of believers, that's a great resource for developing emotional intelligence in a group. Um, and then Why Emotions Matter, uh, Tristan Collins and Jonathan Collins. Jonathan Collins is part of the, the team behind the Bible Project, uh, if you're familiar with the Bible Project. And so uh, he and his wife wrote a book uh, about this, about why, why emotions matter, uh, recognizing your body signals, grow in emotional intelligence, and discover an embodied spirituality. Um, really a, a beautiful read there as well. So those are the three that I would recommend.
0: That's Awesome. Well, if you had any final encouragements, one thing you could just leave listeners with before this episode ends, what would that be?
1: Um, great question. Um you know, the the first thing that comes to mind is is leaning back into the idea of event perception, but we kind of talked about that already. So, um I'll give you a bonus one here. Uh maybe dispel a little bit of a myth. I, I know your audience is, is primarily, uh, female. Uh, is that, that's, is that right?
0: Yes. Primarily female.
1: Yeah. So cultural stereotypes, what, what do they say about women? Right. That, they're
0: too emotional.
1: <laughs> right. Women are more emotional. Uh, they're, you know, all that. And then, you know, so a lot of people will then uh, extrapolate that and, and assume that women are better at emotional intelligence than men or whatever. And it, it's actually not true according to research. Um, Now there's some specific skills that women tend to have a, a a more of a, you know, general competency, uh, that might be higher than a man at first, you know, um, like an example of that is actually empathy. So women tend to test a little bit higher in empathy than men. But when you look at all of the emotional intelligence skills across the board, there's really no difference, um, in gender. Mm -hmm. Now they have, you know, again, varying strengths and weaknesses, but, um, both genders have an equal ability to be emotionally intelligent and so i like like that tends to surprise people uh, when i share that and so uh, i just think that's a fun maybe a fun fact i probably should have shared that as the fun fact at the beginning um so that's a fun fact but but here's here's the encouragement i would leave behind that is um to remember that wherever you are right now um in your in, in whatever your level of emotional intelligence is, let's say it's really low in certain areas. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Once you know your starting point, you can grow. Mm -hmm. This is not a fixed skill set. This is not something that you are destined to live with for the rest of your life. You can actually, with intentional work, you can actually develop in these areas uh, and there's, a, there's, you know, we've talked about several different ways you can do that, but I just want to encourage people who, who maybe have been told you're too emotional or you don't, you know, the great thing is part of, uh, pursuing emotional maturity is getting really, really clear about current reality. Here's where I'm at right now. And that's awesome because now I have a path and, for how I can move forward. So hope that helps.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Thank you so much for coming on and being the guest today, Trevor. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom. And I feel like I know coaching sessions are different, but I feel like this is like a freebie for people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's my pleasure. I love, I love talking about this stuff and uh, it's been, it's been a pleasure getting to meet you and have this conversation. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. I love hearing from you. So if any part of this episode was helpful, go ahead, share it on your Instagram story and tag us. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts or our website. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday. So stay tuned and thanks for joining us.